What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck. Like a rugged half-ton Tundra, workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? I had no idea. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Are we buying Geno Smith or Taysom Hill? Can Brian Robinson or Tyler Algier break out in week six? What are our thoughts on the Panthers offense with a new head coach going forward? We're going to update you on the big injuries, the waiver wire, the stats you need to know. This is beyond the box score here. Advanced stats from simple people. Adam Azer with Jacob Gibbs and Dan Schneier. Well, I'm sorry. If you can come up with a better line, Jacob, then by all means. But you haven't suggested anything. What am I supposed to do with that? Come on. What's up, Jacob Gibbs? You ready for the game tonight, big Chiefs fan? You ready? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we uh, pretty much always kill the Raiders, so I'm pretty good about this. <laughs> Let me tell you something about Jacob, because uh, I talk a lot of trash about Schneier, and I'm losing to Sh- I'm going to lose to Schneier in a fantasy league this week, which he probably wasn't even aware of, but it's one of the worst feelings. That's the best part. It's one of the worst feelings you can have in fantasy is losing to Schneier, but it's going to happen. <laughs> Uh, Jacob, two years ago, was so confident about the Super Bowl. It, just like what he just said right now. He was so confident. He thought it was going to be a runaway. So I guess you haven't learned anything in the last two years, Jacob. Yeah, I guess not. I was hoping to never have to bring that one up again. That was embarrassing. Uh, Dan, do me a favor. Pronounce this word for me before we move any further. W-A-T-E-R. Watermelon. Water. I have a perfect, this is one of the best drinks on the market right now. Unfortunately, I'm using a green screen, so you can't fully see it, but it is Trader Joe's sparkling watermelon juice. Literally as good as it gets. War, w, he says it with a W-A-R-T-E-R, watermelon juice. But yeah, for you, like it's orange. watermelon juice. 
uh, for the, for those Orange, of you at home. Water, Florida. <laughs> the way to, that's the way to say the, these words. The best. All right, what's up, Schneier? How you doing, man? How was your weekend? Doing great, and I'm now scrambling to find out which league I, I'm beating you in. I'm winning in basically all leagues as usual, as you mentioned <laughs> on previous podcasts. My two and zero start. I'm trying to find it now. It's not the it's, fantasy. It's two QB. I started Russell Wilson and uh, Trevor Super Lawrence. Flex? So well, was, super flex. Yeah, yeah. So ah, well, here we go. I'm taking a look now. Congratulations. No, it's a different one. Because I'm actually losing to Oil of Alave in this one. That's me. That's Oil of Alave. Oh, but- so I just haven't looked, and projection is great. Oh, yes, it is. Clyde and Juju and Carlson, and I'm only down nine points to Adam. What an embarrassment Adam has been in this <laughs> league. He's about to drop to two and three. I'm about to rise to four and one. It's unbelievable how good I am in these leagues. <laughs> An embarrassment. I can't, I can't disagree. I, my quarterback. terrible. I even terrible. set my lineup this week? Uh, that's that's the embarrassment. All right, so let's let's get into the <laughs> no, show I'm here. Kidding, I'm kidding. We'll have our five big topics. We'll talk to you about. Like, I didn't even realize that Najee Harris is off the field on third downs, basically yeah. for, yes. for Jalen yep. Warren two weeks in a row. Um, and oh, yeah. we'll talk about that and some other things. Well, let's start with Baltimore nineteen, Cincinnati seventeen. Justin Tucker with, of course, the game-winning field goal. The Bengals have lost three games this year, all of them on last-second game-winning field goals or game-losing field goals in their case. That's incredible. Uh, the Ravens are 19-2 and in primetime home games under John Harbaugh. Thank you to the Associated Press recap for that one. T. Higgins left with an ankle injury. He played 10 snaps. We are not certain about his status for Week 6 against the New Orleans Saints. Um, and Marcus Williams, Baltimore safety, has a dislocated wrist. He is on IR. He's going to miss a lot of time. It's not a season ender, but that's the second big defensive back injury the Ravens have had. This is a secondary that was ranked very, very highly by you know people who rank those things before the season started. Things changing now. But anyway, Jacob, give me your takeaways, uh, fantasy takeaways from Baltimore and Cincinnati. I thought the way Devin Duvernay was used was uh, interesting. He ran around on 28 to 35 dropbacks, seven targets. Um, they got him involved um, as a rusher as well. Um, a lot of uh, pre-snap motion for him as well. So if Rashad Bateman uh, remains out, then he's somebody who could be fantasy relevant. And then uh, it was really good to see Mark Andrews just back to dominating. Um, I know a lot of people kind of panicked last last week. There was like, I mean, even on the podcast we recorded, kind of a narrative like, is it just Travis Kelsey and no one else? It's like, no. Just one bad week. It was like the worst week we've ever seen from Andrews. And like he's he's gonna be fine. Yeah. Another um, big game for him. 89 yards. He has four touchdowns and three games with twenty two point time twenty two point nine or more PPR fantasy points. Kenny and Drake got a little bit more involved than I would have liked. So um, if I'm a, if I didn't I'm a know this, but J- Jamie said on FFT today that John Harbaugh said that J.K. Dobbins was on a snap count. Oh, okay. Yep. Cool. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't catch that either. Solved a lot of mysteries for me and took away a lot of content because I was definitely going to go on a, I'm very worried about Jacob. I'm still worried about him, but at least we know what happened here, Jacob. Um, hmm. With the snap count, you know, I don't know if you noticed, but Chris Godwin only played about 52% of mm-hmm. the snaps, barely played in the fourth quarter. They did have a 21 nothing lead, but, you know, I am i don't know if we should get into this now, but, you know, it, it's worth it's worth remembering I was very high on those two players in particular, Dobbins and Godwin. But guys coming off of these major injuries, uh, it's kind of up in the air, you know. And and being on a snap count a week after playing a lot is is a little concerning for me for Dobbins. So, uh, so that was definitely disappointing. Dan, how about you? What you what stood out to you in this game? By the way, Devin Duvernay is only about fifty percent rostered, so he's got the Giants this week, and uh, definitely the number one wide receiver for them with Bateman out. Dan, what do you got? 
Well, I think from a football standpoint, the most interesting thing to me was watching a Ravens defense that has made a living on being one of those most man coverage, single high, middle of the field, close safety look defenses, try to play zone. And it worked because they only allowed six. They only, the Bengals only attempted six passes that traveled 11 yards in the air or more. Wow. And they couldn't get anything going that way. The Ravens were able to take that away. And this is against a Ravens defense that entered this game tied for the lead for allowing the most passes of 11 plus yards in the secondary. So that's that I thought was incredibly interesting. And then to add to that, despite the Ravens playing the Bengals this way, you know, with more zone looks, lighter boxes, Joe Mixon was just once again, incredibly disappointing. I want to shout out Rich Rebar for these stats because they're truly incredible. Mixon has now, now after last night where he saw a ton of ton more light boxes, he now leads the NFL with runs against light boxes. And a light box just means, you know, you have more offensive linemen, blocking than the actual defenders who are in the box. So say you have five offensive linemen in a one tight end set, there's five, six there's six guys and there's five guys in the box facing it. That means a four-man defensive line, one linebacker, three defensive line, two linebackers. The same goes for when you add two tight ends and you have seven guys blocking. Anyway, on those carries, Mixon averages 3.64 yards per carry. The league rate on these is 5.04 wow. yards per carry. And that's for the he season has, or that was last that's night? That's for the season. Yeah. That's for the season. And he wasn't much better last night. He's lower in yards prior to contact per carry. He's 1.36. It's 1.66 league-wide. 2.2 yards after contact per carry against light boxes. The league averages 3.39 and then obviously the big one, at least for fantasy, 5.4% touchdown, uh, uh, first down to touchdown rush percentage on against lighter boxes. League average is 22.1%. So Joe Mixon right now is not playing good football. He's getting what you want, light boxes. This is how the Ravens tried to play the Bengals. They took away the passing game, and Mixon wasn't able to capitalize. But he, he, now he was good. That this, I mean, this was by far his best game. Five of the of his nine longest runs all season came in this game, or five of his eight longest runs or something like that. Um, you know, five of his eight longest runs of the season came in this game. He had 14 games. Like, this was the by far the best game, and he came up about a foot short of a touchdown, too. So I, I do feel like you're being a little harsh. I mean, if a season-long thing on Mixon, yeah. I, I feel like maybe he got things turned around a little bit in this game. It didn't look like it to me, just given how light. I mean, look, they're daring you to run every play. You should be able to tear it up, especially with an offensive line that has – a few more pieces added to the mix. They look like they were blocking a lot better, specifically Karras on the inside. I don't know. To me, it just feels like it's not there for him. I'm not seeing explosive runs. I'm not seeing much after contact. I'm not seeing a lot of forced missed tackles in the open field from Mixon. All the things I look for to kind of evaluate a running back independent of his cast. Well, I do agree about the explosive runs. He's not He's not really ripping any big ones off there, but um, 5.6 yards per carry yesterday for Joe, for, uh, Joe Mixon was encouraging, almost had the touchdown, ended up being a QB sneak touchdown for Joe Burrow late in the game to give them the lead. All right, what are we thinking about Jamar Chase at this point? 12 targets, 7 catches for 50 yards. I really thought Marcus Peters did a very good job against him. Um, and I don't know. I, mean, I can't diagnose it. I'm not smart enough to figure out what's going on with Jamar Chase, but this is now, look at his freaking dot this year. In yeah. five games, mm-hmm. 6.8, 6.3, 12.4, 18.5, 4.6. He has already matched the amount of games from 2021 with an dot under nine yards at three times already, and they're all under seven yards. So, I don't know. The offense is not the same, Jacob, and if, you know, if you were redrafting today, I mean, is Jamar Chase still a top-five wide receiver? I think it's clear Cup and Jefferson, and for me, I would have to put Diggs ahead of him. Is Jamar Chase still you know a top-five receiver for you? No, I don't think so. He's kind of on the borderline for me going into the year, and I got a lot of heat for that. 
Um, now I think you could come up with a decent number of guys that you put ahead of him. I do. I think the point that um, Dan brought up about Baltimore's defense in this game is really interesting. Um, and I just looked into it a little bit more. They only use man coverage 18% of the time and they used cover four or cover six over 40% of the time. And prior to this week, they'd only use that combination on 27% of defensive plays. Um, and as a result, we saw Joe Burrow's average depth of target was 3.6 yards this week. Um, so you mentioned that they are a little bit banged up in the secondary. If they go to a you know schematic change in how they approach things defensively, that could really be something to keep an eye on going forward. And that you know definitely could have affected Jamar in this spot. I think part of that was just how they wanted to match up against the Bengals. I think a lot yeah. of teams are going to do this from now on. And one thing I didn't like about the Bengals, they came out with a really good plan. They got, uh, as far as utilizing Chase, they got him featured early with that quick hitter on the screen. That's the type of, if you're facing this kind of defense that's playing a lot of zone, it's not trying to take away the big plays, that should have been a bigger part of their game plan. They tried to do something similar, not similar, but they tried to do something in the same vein a little bit later when they got him on that on that kind of end around play. But you need to have more of those quick hitters around the line of scrimmage get the ball and chase his hand and that's something we saw him do last year he broke off some big plays in the screen game i was surprised they didn't try to come back to that more often in the second half uh, just to kind of try to counter what they were doing on defense yeah one thing on jamar is um through the first four weeks he was not targeted on first downs hardly at all um he had eight targets on 58 routes run so 13.8 percent of his routes run on first down did you draw a target that was way up last week. He had six uh, first down targets, um, over 40% of his routes run. So it's good that they're at least, you know, trying to be intentional about getting, getting the ball. Obviously that coincided with T Higgins being out. Sure. Yeah, they really were. I mean, he did have 12 targets, just, I thought really good coverage by Peters disappointing that chase couldn't really beat him. All right. We'll talk about Tyler Boyd and Hayden Hurst on the waiver wire. Tyler Boyd more in shallow leagues. He's 70% rostered. Hayden Hurst has had two games this year with more than 27 yards. Both of them have been the games that T Higgins left with injury. So 31% rostered. It's uh, you know, it's an interesting play at least for, for him. And let me just see their ma- oh, They're at new Orleans next week. Um, and then, yeah, for the Ravens, I think we already covered it. Hopefully we can get better performance from JK Dobbins going forward, but he was apparently on a snap count. Fantasy football today is here to help you dominate your fantasy league all season. And now you can represent your favorite podcast with official fantasy football today gear only found on the CBS Sports Store. Discover t-shirts, mugs, sweatpants, laser-engraved pint glasses, hats, water bottles, and more to remind your buddies how you got the inside scoop to crush the competition. All right, so at Rep FFT, we have really cool stuff. Go to the store. I can't give you the URL. It's very long, but it's in the episode <coughs> description. If you're watching on YouTube, it's in the YouTube description. If you want 20% off your first purchase, use the promo code FANTASYFOOTBALL20. Fantasy Football 20, that's exclusive for our listeners and viewers. Go to the CBS uh, CBS store, the Fantasy Football Today section there, and shop now and use the promo code FANTASYFOOTBALL20 for 20% off your order. News and notes. The Panthers fired their head coach and their defensive coordinator. They did not fire Ben McAdoo. So, Dan, does this help DJ Moore? Does it do anything here? Because Baker Mayfield's going to miss some time, apparently. He wants to play, but he's got a high ankle sprain, so it looks, for the time being, like it's going to be P.J. Walker. 
Yeah, I don't think this helps the passing offense. I'm really surprised they went this route. I know we had been tipped off that they might earlier in the season, and I guess Ben McAmadoo does have some experience. But I actually think what Phil Snow, the defensive coordinator, was doing over there on the defense side of the ball was really good stuff. Schematically speaking, there were some great takeaways from that Panthers defense. It's hard when you're on the field for so long because your offense is so inept, and the offense is going to stay the same. This is Ben McAdoo's offense that they were running. So to me, nothing really changes from the schematic standpoint, but I do think there could be a boost from putting B.J. Walker on the field. I hate to say it, but Baker Mayfield has been playing unbelievably bad football for the first five weeks. I'm not I'm not here to say P.J. Walker is going to play much improved version, but there is a potential for him to just lock on to D.J. Moore, which would be great for Moore, um, and also have a little bit more ability to make broken plays. You know, he scrambles here, he throws down the field on a broken play, something I think D.J. Moore and really all those receivers on that team can take advantage of. So I think there's a chance for a little bit more explosive plays, but I don't expect to see too much differently schematically with McAdoo now as the head coach. Just to go back to last year, P.J. Walker did make one start. He was 22 of 29 for 167 yards with no touchdowns and an interception. He faced the Arizona Cardinals. Cam Newton also played in that game. He threw a touchdown, and he ran for a touchdown. Uh, so they moved the ball fairly well. I, I don't know if they moved the ball well, but they scored two touchdowns, but it was they were both from Cam Newton, one throwing, one rushing. Uh, McCaffrey had 10 catches on 10 targets. DJ Moore had four catches on seven targets. Robbie Anderson led all the wide receivers. McCaffrey led all receivers with 66 yards. Robbie Anderson had 37 yards and a touchdown. So it wasn't pretty. Could be better this time around. Who knows? Um, so yeah, it's a high ankle sprain right now for Baker Mayfield and a new head coach. They are at the Rams and then the Bucks their next two weeks. Russell Wilson has a lat injury, which is part of the reason why I'm going to lose to Schneier in the 2QB <laughs> league. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, he's beat up. We know that. I saw an interesting quote from Kirk Cousins, who completed the first 17 passes of the game on Sunday. And again, just a reminder that there are a lot of quarterbacks with new systems and it takes time. And and Kirk Cousins said, I'm not where I was at the end of last season in that old system, but we're developing it and we're getting there. And I'm excited about that continued growth. So you just just something to keep in mind. We also know Damian Harris got hurt. Ty Montgomery is eligible to come off IR, but is not going to this week in all likelihood. And that would only help Ramondre Stevenson. Rashad Penny is out for the season, and that's the big one here. So, Jacob, what do you think about Ken Walker, who got most of his yards on one carry, a 69-yard touchdown against the Saints? Um, but uh, Ken Walker, I assume we got to consider him a must-roster player. If he's available, go get him, and he's available in 32% of CBS Sports Leagues. But do you think Ken Walker is going to be successful? And they uh, just give you their schedule. They have two really bad run defenses especially in week six, uh, week seven rather, but it's the Cardinals and the Chargers up next for Seattle. I definitely think it could be. It's a really limited sample size we have in him so far, but he's been very efficient. Um, he's breaking tackles at one of the highest rates of any running backs with you know 20 plus carries, um, yards after contact really, really high as well. And then obviously that you know backs up what we've seen from at the collegiate level, really efficient as a rusher. I'm really curious what his usage will be like. I really don't know if the sample size we have when from the point Penny went down last week is large enough to draw any conclusions from. Um, but if he can get the, you know, passing down work, then yeah, we're looking at like a top 12, top 15 running back. Um, so it's it's definitely exciting when these matchups coming up are going to give him a chance to really blow up. So I think uh, he's definitely somebody you've got to, I mean, how much are you guys, I guess you're, you're going to have a waiver I show, but you're prioritizing like 30, 40, 50%. To get oh, this type I of think player on the I think you could, like, this is the type of player I think you spend all of it. 
Yeah. Yeah. If he's available. Um, you know, I can't, it, it, I'd rather have, let's say, well, Tony Pollard's two roster. I'm just trying to think of, of handcuffs that are actually available that would be better in theory than, than Ken Walker. Rashad White. Rashad White, I think, would be. I think I'd take Walker over White, honestly. Really? I, think I, don't think it, I, don't, I don't think it'll go all to White if Leonard Fournette goes down with a major injury. I think there's a really good chance it could go majority to Walker. Like, I still think Keyshawn Vaughn will get mixed. Like, they'll have different players they can mix in. Almost all the carries will go to Walker. And after, in the second half, I mean, Rashad Penny paid, played three snaps in the second half. DJ Dallas played three snaps. Ken Walker played 15. Right. And they didn't run that many plays in the second half. So uh, he was pretty much, you know, on the field for most of those snaps. Uh, yeah, but bottom line is that there I can't think of too many guys, if any, that have more upside or more appeal than Ken Walker if the starter got hurt that aren't already rostered in every league. Okay, like Tony Pollard, Kareem Hunt, those guys don't count. So who are you saving it for? Khalil Herbert? Sure, he could be there, but I don't know what his roster percentage is now, but he could get dropped in theory. Uh, yeah, but go get him. Get absolutely be aggressive here. Yeah. All right, then a couple other injuries. We'll keep an eye on Tyreek Hill. Uh, and the 49ers, they two huge losses. Emmanuel Mosley's out for the year. Torres right. ACL, starting cornerback. Uh, also, safety Jimmy Ward. I forgot about him. Um, I don't know what his status is, but Nick Bosa is the other one we'll keep an eye on. He left with a groin injury. All right, how about these wacky stats? We don't even have to uh, analyze them, but just for you football fans out there, the Patriots are now 5-0 and under Bill Belichick with quarterbacks who were drafted outside the first round making their <laughs> NFL, making their first start. 5-0 and when quarterbacks drafted outside the first round make their first Incredible. start. The rest of the NFL is 30-80 and 80 since Belichick became the Patriots coach in 2000. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, these are all from the Associated Press game recaps. The Lions are the second team in the past 25 seasons to enter the game number one in the NFL in scoring and get shut out. Taysom Hill is the third NFL player since 1970 with 100 rushing yards and three touchdowns and a passing touchdown in the same game, according to ESPN. That was actually from ESPN, sorry. Uh, the others were LaDainian Tomlinson and Ronnie Brown. And this one was crazy. Can you believe Jalen Ramsey recorded the first sack of his career yesterday? Yeah, that one's hard to believe. Is that weird? No. I'm going to pro football reference just to confirm it, but <laughs> I should have done that before the show. But I'm uh, pretty sure that is real. Sacks? Any sacks for you? Nope. First sack of his career. Unbelievable. 96 games for Jalen Ramsey. Never had a sack. All right. How about the topics, the stats that we're actually going to talk about? Uh, Jacob, why don't you kick it off? Uh, yeah, just on DJ Moore, I wanted to throw this in. He's run 132 routes with P.J. Walker at quarterback, which is not a truly trustworthy sample size, but is not you know totally insignificant either. He's been targeted on 24% of his routes, averaged 2.1 yards per out run. So those are above his career averages um, and are definitely above what we've seen from this year. And the comp I would make is to CD lamb um, where, you know, everyone just kind of assumed um, that he was screwed when uh, he lost Dak, but just like, yeah, I don't think it matters too much what level of quarterback play it is. If as long as it's someone who will feed him. And I think that he could get fed. I mean, we've seen CD lamb be the wide receiver nine over the past four weeks. Um, I think if DJ Moore gets fed, he's talented enough that he could be, still a top 20 receiver, um, even in a really inept offense led by PJ Walker. So maybe I'm just 
looking for reasons to be back in on DJ Moore. But, well, uh, Dan, have you watched the film of the office? You have, right? Because I've been, I've watched a lot of DJ yeah. Moore. I watched every route that he ran in, in this game, and I watched two weeks ago. I didn't watch week four. I do not think he's getting open very often. I am I am a big amateur at this, but I watched Amari Cooper's routes and then DJ Moore's routes, and Amari Cooper is an exceptional route runner, and DJ Moore looks anything but to me. And I don't know if that's a scheme thing, if they're just not well-designed plays or what, but... If I didn't know how much everyone that I work with loved DJ Moore going into the year, I would not think much of DJ Moore just based on what I've seen. Um, maybe he'll be more motivated now. I've seen a lot of frustration. Like sometimes he gets open. He, he doesn't get open often, but when he does, Baker Mayfield seems to miss him. And then he gets really frustrated. Uh, or, well, a little frustrated anyway. I shouldn't say that. But I, I don't know, man. Like, is he really that good? I, 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 I don't know if you've noticed anything because I've specifically been looking at DJ Moore. And again, I want to press, I am not a professional here. I'm an amateur at analyzing guys running routes, but it was night and day comparing him to Amari Cooper, who was just abusing guys, including JC Jackson uh, in week five. Yeah, I think that's a fair evaluation. I mean, part of it is what you said. Amari Cooper is one of the most underrated route runners in the NFL, one of the best route runners in the NFL. But and a big part of it is also like you like you alluded to briefly there, Adam. It's the scheme too. I mean, look when you're running slants flat so often, like the Panthers are, when you're using, they're basically asking all these receivers to just win one-on-one routes from quick game, and that's not necessarily where we've seen DJ Moore do his best work over the years. So I feel like if 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 they can figure, I mean, they're going to stick with McAdoo. So I don't really have too much hope there as far as things are changing on the offensive side of the ball, but I never really felt like he was as much of a, like astute route runner, I guess I would say, or as an amazing route runner as Amari Cooper. I thought he won in different ways, um, specifically and specifically. And sometimes in the past, it's been down the field on vertical routes. It's been after the catch. And that's just, this offense is just not utilizing him in that way. Okay. All right, Dan, any stats you want to throw out here? I'm sure Jacob is plenty uh, as well, but go ahead, Dan. Yeah, I just want to talk about some usage stats just because, you know, one thing I've always felt is true about fantasy football is follow the volume, target the volume. Don't worry about the touchdowns. Those can regress. The volume will come for you. And so one thing I thought was really interesting is that the way the Bills are using their running backs. So in games where the Bills have had blowout wins, and that seems to be becoming a norm for them this year, and it's going to probably continue to be that way. Devin Singletary has just 17.9% combined fantasy points in those three blowout wins. And he's played anywhere between 52 and 59% of the snaps. And shout out Chris Towers for this because I was looking at this earlier. Now, in the games where they're in it and it's close, he's played between 73 and 88% of the snaps. And I think that's just a function of when you get out ahead, you want to give players like Zach Moss and especially James Cook, you invested so much draft capital in some opportunities. But I also think it's something you can use down the line to kind of predict when it's a good time to play Devin Singletary and when it's not. Because quite frankly, if he's averaging what less than six about six points a game a little fewer than six points a game in these blowout wins fantasy points it's not somebody you want I also thought what was interesting from a usage standpoint in this week was that Damian Pierce he's up to 79% of the snaps at this point he is for sure locked in RB2 matchup independent in my opinion Um, and then a few other things I wanted to point out there are some vultures going on in the in the in the red zone area that I thought was really interesting you had Tevin Coleman get three touches inside the five yard line this week that's something I think we should definitely keep an eye on you had Michael Carter 
all, or that we had Michael Carter get two touches inside the five, Alexander Madison, two inside the five. And now Joshua Kelly, who's really kind of established himself as this RB two for the chargers also had two touches inside the five. So just, just something to keep an eye on as far as the vulturing goes. And one last thing I wanted to point out was we're finally getting back to, and I, and I've had, I had a feeling this would happen when they got healthy at receiver, but I'm so happy to see the, the bucks finally getting back to a, a pass heavy team. They threw the ball 52 times in this game, despite mm-hmm. leading for, I don't know, by 20, 21 points, most of the game, that's what they have to be. And that's what this offense is. That's where this offense is at its best. When Tom Brady is controlling it and he's calling pass almost every play. Cause he feels like he can beat whatever the defense is sending at them, whether it be blitz or dropping coverage. And so I'm happy to see that offense morphing back into where they were from a volume standpoint in the passing game, because that's going to be key to unlocking Brady and all those players moving forward from fantasy standpoint. All right, you're up, Jacob. What else we got? Yeah, I love the notes on Damian Pierce. Uh, his route involvement rate was over 50% in week five. That's the first time this year it's been that high. He has 11 targets over the past two games, and we saw him uh, get some long down and distance snaps, just two, but that's more than zero. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's headed in the right direction there. That's pretty exciting. I think he's a top 15 guy uh, going forward. And if he gets, you know, if he continues to get more and more receiving work, then like, yeah, there's definitely top 12 potential. For him, uh, Rondell Moore, we talked about last week, uh, was used a lot more downfield in his first game back, and they took him out of the slot with AJ Green returning. He did return to the slot, which I think is actually a good thing for him. Um, his downfield usage wasn't quite as pronounced as we saw in his first game back, but it was definitely more prominent than last year. And so he is running more intermediate and deep routes, um, and he's being used in the slot, which I think he has a much higher chance of success from uh, than on the perimeter. So that's all good things for Rondale, and we saw the production kind of uh, follow that this week. Um, I'll go back to CeeDee Lamb, who I compared DJ Moore to. Um, really, the volume for him is just ridiculous. Uh, he's been targeted on 49% of Dallas's first downs. So his target share, um, not just target per route run, like his total target share on the team is 49% on first down. Uh, Devontae Adams is the only player above 40%. Um, so that's that's just pretty nuts. And then we saw even with Michael Gallup back to like a full-time role, CeeDee Lamb is still playing out in the perimeter. They moved Noah Brown to the slot. Um, I think this is all just really encouraging. They're finally like using him as like a true perimeter threat wide receiver one. Um, and I think when Dak comes back, we've legitimately got like top five upside for CD lamb, like CD lamb or Jamar chase, I think is honestly an interesting mm-hmm. discussion. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so, he's, he's probably been better than chase. My guess. Although I know chase had a huge game in week one and chase has more points on the year, but oh, he it's does? close. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, I know people might be saying, well, God, Lamb wasn't good yesterday. Well, they threw 16 times. He had right, eight targets. Right. He had 50% of the targets. Uh, all right, here's some stats from me. This one's from ESPN Stats and Information. Matthew Stafford went 6 of 15 for 59 yards and an interception when he was pressured yesterday. And he was 22 of 27 for 249 yards and a touchdown when he wasn't pressured. And he was pressured a lot yesterday. So this is another guy that I think you can look at matchups And we didn't like them this week because Dallas gets a ton of pressure. I think they had one of the highest, if not the highest, pressure rate in in football going into the game. When he plays a team that doesn't have a good pass rush, it could could actually be a week worth starting for Stafford. Jalen Warren, just over the last two weeks, he just has been Pittsburgh's third down back. And that is a crushing blow to Najee Harris. I said on HQ today, he is going to be the biggest bust in fantasy football this year. The biggest non-injury bust in fantasy football mm. is going to be Najee Harris. Does anybody disagree with that? Ooh, let me think of who could actually top that. The only person who you could think of right now who could actually top that from a draft capital standpoint would be 
Uh, but could did, Jamar did Chase Moore be? and Kyle Pitts? No, those guys, little... he was a first round pick. Yeah, he though. was I mean, a first rounder. You have yeah, to think of those guys first have been just like not useful at all, though. Could you yeah, throw? Could true. you throw Jamar Chase into the mix? Yeah, but I don't. I think I think we're talking significantly worse for now Najee than Chase. Yeah, long term, especially. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're you're Najee. It's tough to feel. You can kind of throw Jonathan Taylor in there, <laughs> even without the injury. Although he had a huge game in Week One, um, but I just yeah, he's like. Derrick Henry has turned things around, and and Austin Eckler has turned things around. Dalvin Cook scored two touchdowns yesterday. I don't see any hope for Najee Harris. Not to say he's going to be bad every week. That's not going to happen. But his touches are way down. He was like 22 touches per game last year. He's somewhere around 16 this year. Carries way down. Just He's not the third down back the last two weeks. He's so, losing the valuable touches too, not just like raw touches. Like he needs right. those targets and the routes, and he just doesn't have them. I dug into it when I saw your stat at him. Um, I thought it was possible that like maybe his third down rate was down because they've had a lot of third downs in the second half, you know, in blowouts, but that's not the case. Like it's in the first half as well. Um, he's just not getting the route running opportunities, and that's going to crush his fantasy value. It could change, and Kenny Pickett, maybe he brings life to the offense, but right now a guy is averaging 3.2 yards per carry. And uh, that could go up, but still, just nothing good right now for for Najee. I would take Ken Walker over Najee Harris rest of season. Is that crazy? I would too. You would? No, I would. I would definitely take Ken Walker over Najee Harris. Yeah. All right. Uh, how about um, Michael Gallup and Chris Godwin with their snaps limited? Like I mentioned earlier, Godwin fifty two percent of the snaps in Week Four. He played eighty three percent. Michael Gallup went from sixty four percent to fifty five percent. That may have been because they were just running so much. Um, Travis Etienne played 11 more snaps than James Robinson in the fourth quarter. And they were trailing for some of the fourth quarter, obviously. They lost. But another guy, I mean, I think you talked about it with Devin Singletary. It's why I liked Robinson. I thought for sure they were going to win. They're just going to be much harder to predict than the Bills. But if they have a good game script, it's going to help Robinson a lot. Uh, Brees Hall played 10 snaps on third down compared to one for Michael Carter. It is Brees Hall, S-Z-N. And that's all I got, guys. I don't know if you want to add anything else. Uh, we talked a little bit about Rashad White cutting into Leonard Fournette's role last week, and we saw something similar this week. Uh, White's snap rate was actually up from 39% to 40, and Fournette ran 29 routes. Rashad White ran 22 routes in week five. So back-to-back weeks that um, it has not been like all Fournette. Obviously, we saw Fournette get the touchdowns and uh, all the all the catches, but yeah, his his route running opportunities were down a little bit. I think Rashad White is going to be in your flex discussion in full PPR only uh, during the bye weeks. You know, he I don't think he's going to be a great option, but uh, he's got a role, so that's good to see. All right, we're going to take a break here. When we come back, we'll get into our five big topics. We'll take uh, this quick break and talk Taysom Hill on the other side. Here we go. Uh, we'll be right back on Fantasy. Well, no, here, here we go to break. We'll be right back. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Passion, drive, and patience. 
What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And we are back. Here we go into our five big topics, starting with Taysom Hill. That was This one is from everyone in the world. They all want to know about <laughs> Taysom Hill, the running back who has tight end eligibility, basically. 51% rostered. Dan, is Taysom Hill a must-start? We're going to go three minutes per topic here, guys. Three minutes per topic. You are on the clock. Is Taysom Hill a must-start tight end going forward? Yeah, he's a must-start tight end for me. And that's not to say I'm super high on Taysom Hill. It's more to say the tight end position. It's more to talk about the state of the tight end position right now. But he's going to be factored in that red zone package every single week. He can throw the ball, and we saw him. I mean, he if you're going to give him an open seam, he'll just rip the seam, which he did for an easy touchdown. And the way they design those runs is really unique. I've, I've been watching some of those back today. Just the way they use their blockers all in continuity with each other and sometimes how they use their tight ends on those plays with a lot of sniffers and a lot of people coming around to pin the pin pull concepts in that run game. There's a lot of interesting things going on on the field when Taysom Hill is out there and they have designed runs for him. So I think the efficiency won't go down too much with Taysom Hill. He's a really good red zone runner. Um, and again, he has the opportunity to throw when you give it to him. So as far as fantasy goes, the tight end position, we always talk about touchdown or bust for a lot of these tight ends. Well, he gives you a much better chance at a touchdown on a weekly basis than, than the majority of those guys you consider touchdown or bust. Unfortunately, he doesn't ever catch the ball. That's the one thing yes. he doesn't do. So if he doesn't better score... Better in non-PPR. Yeah, for sure. And the efficiency is going to go down because he's he's playing out of his mind right now. He's basically the best rusher in, in the NFL. If Minimum 20 carries... He yeah. has the fourth highest percentage of carries that are going for five or more yards and the highest percentage of carries going for 20 or more yards. 20 or more yards on 24% of his carries. That's wild. <laughs> um, yeah, and but, I, but it's not a fluke how good he is near the end zone. He has, over the last three seasons, 13 carries from inside the five-yard line, and Taysom Hill has scored on nine of those 13 carries. It's incredible. Dennis Allen acknowledged that teams are going to make adjustments, and he said, basically, we're going to... We're going to mix things up too. Jacob, is Taysom Hill a must-start tight end? That's what I'm looking at tight ends now and trying to decide like who I would rather start on a week-to-week basis. You obviously have the top two, and then I think Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard. Yeah. Um, I think Darren Waller. I'm putting Pitts in there. We're not benching Pitts. Okay, David Njoku, <laughs> Tyler Higby. Oh, Higby. Yeah. yeah, I would say for sure Higby. Njoku, okay. I mean, I think I have to buy into Njoku. Three good games. You still games need four more, though. You still need to find four more. I know. Right. So we're in the Hawkinson? Eight to 12 range. Like, Hawkinson's uh, on a buy this week, but Hawkinson. when he comes Hawkinson back, he came think... right back down to earth with 1.6 points this week. But he didn't just come back down to earth. He went like underground. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. he's been so bad other than <laughs> the week story four. of Hawkinson. <laughs> George Kittle. Kittle, yeah, you'd like to think. Uh, yeah. I think he's That's... a top 12 tight end, I guess. Like, yes. You know. That's nuts. <laughs> he has more of a red zone role than like most of the people we mentioned right there. He's running three and a half routes per game. He needs a top <laughs> tight end. 
I don't even. I mean, what bothers me is that he shouldn't be classified as a tight end. You know, no, he should not qualify. All right, uh, let's go to topic number two, and I think another another thing just to think about from from Taysom Hill is it really might hurt Kamara and Jameis. Just he really might account for a lot of touchdowns. He's probably their goal line guy. All right, Robert. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I can't figure this out. I I cannot (laughs) sit here and say, oh, this is when Amari Cooper is going to be good and this is when he's going to be bad. So Robert wants to know about Amari Cooper and the home road production. Is he the wide receiver version of Drew Brees? Because all three of his good games have come at home. And on the road, he had 17 yards and nine yards in two games. Dan, is uh, Amari Cooper the home road, the, the wide receiver version of Drew Brees? I can't say I ever thought of it like that. So that's a really interesting way to frame it, Robert. Uh, very, very, you know, I would say with Breeze, it was more pronounced. You could see it. Like, for example, they were quite, it, he, he was, he threw really well in that dome and he obviously had control and commanded the offense when it wasn't loud on offense, but with a receiver that doesn't really factor in as much. And it's not like the Browns play in any kind of unique stadium with a dome or anything like that. So I would say it's probably more coincidence at this point. But it is like Adam said originally, the key point is it's hard. It's becoming hard to predict when to start him. He's almost becoming a player you want to put in your flex every week because there's because when he hits those big weeks, he's worth having in there. Jacob, people are frustrated, I'm sure, because this is the yeah. start percentage for Cooper. Week one, 33 percent. And he was bad. Week two, 28 percent. And he was great. Week three, 47%, and he was great. Week four, his highest start percentage of the year, 88%, and he goes for one catch on nine yards. Drops down to 66% started, still the second highest, but down 22% from the week before, and he goes for 76 yards and a touchdown on 12 targets. So is there any rhyme or reason to Amari Cooper's success and failures? Um, I will say that his week four matchup against Atlanta was not a good one. They use a ton right. of cover two. Um, and that really, obviously they have talented corners and they use a ton of cover two, which really um, slows down perimeter receivers. Typically, if you guys are interested in um, specific coverage um, analysis, I've got a thread pinned on my Twitter account where I go through and talk about each coverage scheme and how it affects uh, wide receivers, tight ends, running backs, quarterbacks. Mm. Um, yeah, that's great. So, I do think like that had something to do with it. Like I was low on Amari that week and I wasn't really shocked to see them go more to Njoku and the running backs there. Um, it could be that I have no idea on home road splits uh, on a five game sample that that's probably nothing. Uh, I think if you want to look at it one other way, week one was terrible. 17 yards. That was the only dreadful game for Jacoby Brissett. He threw for 147 yards. The last four games, Brissett has thrown for 220 to 234 yards. He's been in a 14-yard range, four straight games. And Cooper's been great in three of them. So that's, a, that's I guess, more optimistic way of looking at Cooper's season and saying, well, Brissett's probably not going to throw for 147 yards. That was a terrible game. Uh, 230, that's doable. And he's been good in three of those four games when Brissett's been around 230. But I honestly have no freaking idea. I am very interested in the cover two thing, though, so we'll, I'll be keeping that in mind going forward. All right, this comes from Robert Williams. When to play banged up but not 100% players like Dalvin Cook versus when to sit active guys like T. Higgins? Is there a risk-reward point? Is it relative to position or injury? Jacob, uh, yeah, I mean, this is a tough one to answer. What would you say about approaching you know injured players going into their game? Because Amonra St. Brown was played about 25% of the snaps. He was a huge bust. You just never know. Yeah, you really don't know. Like the Higgins thing, we had no indication that it was something that was like really going to limit him. Um, he wasn't really thought of as like a game time decision or anything. And then he only, he goes out there and plays 
10 snaps and re-injures it, like that's just bad luck. Um, I, I think if you can avoid it, like if you can avoid playing a player who you know is injured and, you know, especially with an ankle or hamstring or something like that, that does have a slightly higher re-injury risk, like you might want to even for, at, you know, for a lower projected player. Um, but yeah, I, I don't have much on this. No, I, I, think, I don't think you can. No. no, but you can look at it week to week. Like, for example, we saw throughout the week, Dan Campbell, traditional tough guy coach. He's like, if Amon Ross St. Brown can get out there, he's going to get out there. But all the speculation was that it would be on a pitch count. And then we look at it, and he only runs 20 routes, and he's only a field for 20 snaps. So it was sometimes they, they tell you the story, sometimes they don't. T. Higgins was an example where they didn't. So that sucks. But while it's hard to predict, look through the, you know, read through every injury report and what the coach speak is saying all the way through to the game, because you might get some answers. Like Amon Ron St. Brown was a player who originally I went into the game thinking, you know, and he's on most of my teams. He's one of my highly, most highly drafted players. I'm thinking, you know, if he plays, you have to play him, but I took him out of lineups right before Sunday after reading a little bit more. Cause I felt like there would be, you know, it would, cause it, the last comment Campbell made was basically like, even if he's just on the field as a decoy, it helps us. And that was the one that was kind of like, all right, I have a feeling this is going to be a situation where they're just using him to open up the rest of the rest of the offense, which and obviously didn't yeah, work. Great. Zero <laughs> <points>. <laughs> yeah. Obviously it didn't yeah. work, but it led me to believe to bench him. So kind of just look through the coach speak if you can. If you can. It, it's just a pretty impossible task because yeah, David Montgomery played a lot more than I thought. Right. And uh, I'll tell you what, man. If you anybody wants to know what kind of mood I'm in tonight, I need five points from Juju to win one league. I need 13 points from Juju to win a second league. Oh, baby! If he doesn't get five, I mean, if he doesn't get 13, fine. I can I can accept that. If he doesn't get five, it's gonna be. <laughs> Uh, I'm not going to be on the show on Tuesday. I'll tell you that. All right. This and is, you already have to face the fact that you lost to me in another. Video. Yeah, I know. And actually there's a decent chance I'm not going to be on the show Tuesday. Just so everybody knows. I don't, <laughs> I'm not sure I'll be able to make it to that waiver wire show. Uh, this is from Eric Walsh, Geno Smith versus Tom Brady. Rest of season. Dan, when you're done with your word or melon drink there, who do you like better rest of season? Geno Smith or Tom Brady? Yeah, I've alluded to why a little bit of why earlier. It's Brady for me. They're getting back to their pass-heavy ways, which is what makes Brady such a valuable fantasy asset in the first place. You got to let him run that offense. You got to let him cook. Godwin's getting healthier. Evans is a huge factor there. Um, and ultimately, their offensive line is starting to play a little bit better too. Obviously, this is not the greatest matchup to evaluate, but Grady, Grady Jarrett is one of the best interior defensive linemen from a pass rushing standpoint. And so that was a difficult matchup. Obviously, everyone saw the roughing the passer, which should have never been called, but that's neither here nor there. So I'm going with Tom Brady in this. You want to hear a great sound about that roughing the passer? Yeah. I, put, I just uploaded this. This is from yesterday's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was Heath. <laughs> What? Very excited. Wow. Yeah, I know. He made that noise. Yeah, there's either size or. <laughs> All right. So, what do you think? Let's talk about Geno Smith, Jacob. I am thoroughly impressed with Geno Smith. What say the numbers? Yeah, Geno's been excellent. The numbers are, are really, like really, really exciting, extremely efficient. Um, and both his receivers are really balling out. Like DK Metcalf has been really impressive this year. Um, I still have to take Brady. I mean, Brady was the QB six this week. He only threw one touchdown. Right. I definitely take Brady. I mean, this Brady. Yeah. I I don't even want to focus on this part of the debate because you have to go Brady. But (laughs) Gino, is he legit? Can he keep this up? I mean, it has been legit. It hasn't been one of those. Well, he's not playing well, but he's scoring fantasy points. There is no question that Gino Smith is playing great football right now. The beat writers say it. 
the stats say it. The I went, film shows the it. Film he, shows he made it. a throw oh this my week gosh. that was the best throw by any quarterback in the season. With the second Rolling touchdown pass to Lockett? No, that was another amazing. I mean, the, the, the posts he's throwing the locket are on the money in stride. The throw where he made where he had to roll to his left, didn't even have a chance to flip his hips back around. The hardest throw a quarterback can make is rolling to the left and then throws the ball downfield, layers it over the coverage, drops it right in around the sideline. It was arguably the best throw I've seen all year, and I couldn't believe there was Geno Smith making it. And he had a touchdown called back on a holding penalty, yes. a questionable holding penalty, and DK Metcalf dropped a touchdown. So he could have had a, a huge yep. game, as he already did. I mean, 30 points. Could have had a 40-plus point game. Jacob, I think I cut you off. Anything else you want to add about Geno Smith? I mean, can he keep it going? I think so, yeah. I think, it, like, everything we've seen is legit. I, I wish that they were th- a little bit more pass-heavy. Like, we haven't seen that really increase the way that I thought it might as he's been playing this well. Um, True. And it's possible that it will have shot Penny out, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of continue to just be the same offense that we've seen. So it's going to, you know, we're going to need continued you know, really efficient play from him um, for him to sustain this for fantasy. Um, but maybe he can. I don't, we don't have an, we don't have a big enough sample size on him throughout his career really to know who he is. Um, so yeah. it's possible that this is who he is. We don't know. That's, That's the thing, point. right? He's not a, a total failure in his career. He played, he, he started the first two years of his career and he's barely played since then. And he didn't have DK Metcalf and, and Tyler Lockett. He had, an aging Eric Decker one year led the team in receiving and Jeremy Curley led the team in receiving one year. So Dan, it's so funny. You think of Geno Smith as kind of a failure, but he really hasn't played much since 2013 and 2014 as a rookie and second year guy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe Ben McAdoo was right after all, obviously for those who don't <laughs> know the reference, yeah. he famously benched Eli Manning for Geno Smith in the 2017 season. And everybody went off on him. Like because the giants had drafted a third round rookie that year. Davis Webb. They're like, if you're going to bench Eli for anyone, bench him for the rookie. There's no upside with Geno Smith. What are you crazy? Ending, ending maybe, Eli Manning's streak, ending his Iron Man streak. Eli Manning's yeah. Iron Man streak all for <laughs> to get Geno Smith some snaps that nobody cared about watching, at least as a giants fan. But I will say this, you know, you know, arm talent was never the issue with Geno Smith coming out. Everyone always used to blame the processing, the post-snap processing. How well does he see the defense post-snap? And I got to say, just from watching him this season, he, this Shane Waldron system is perfect for his skill set. And he's seen the field better than I've ever seen him in his career. Some of those, like the throw to Lockett, that is a really good vision throw. I mean, he sees that Lockett wins at the top of his stem and is going to break back with leverage toward the inside where he can throw that football and he puts it right on the money. And so he's seeing the system. He's seeing the field really, really well within the system. You hear Pete Carroll saying like, we're going to, we got to let Gino cook. And that's not easy for Pete Carroll, a coach who wants to run the ball 50 times a game. If it's up to him. So he's playing great within the system. I think it's, there's a chance it could keep up. It's weird because there's no NFL equivalent of this, right? Adam, like, and Jacob, like who would you even say is anywhere remotely close to having this type of first five game stretch oh, this late in their career? Ryan Fitzpatrick, but he was always kind of doing it throughout his career. Well, in, spot starts, right? in 2018, he had three straight 400 yard games to start the year. Uh, and then he got benched. <laughs> box, right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so no, he wasn't even, but he wasn't playing great football throughout that stretch. That was the difference. He was throwing a lot of interceptions. He was playing, you know, poorly enough to be benched. You know, Smith is not getting benched. He's the right. starter the rest of the year and he's playing great. So uh, it's just interesting to see. It's crazy. It's, it's, it's the best story of the year. As far as I'm concerned, I think it's a great call and even better call Gino's pizza out in long <laughs> Island. They got one in great neck. They got one in port oh, Washington. Really? Unbelievable stuff. Gino's Dan. pizza. Okay. I haven't yeah, heard of it. The I'm best. Talk about- all right, last one. 
Can we get some week six rookie running back breakouts? This is from Adrian. Tyler Algier, Ken Walker, and Brian Robinson. Well, certainly Ken Walker's got a shot against the Cardinals. They're 11th against running backs, but they're yeah. not very good. And I guess I got to dig a little bit deeper into that. <clears throat> Maybe they're better than I think, but I don't consider it a tough matchup. But Algier and Robinson, Jacob, can we? do you think we can get a, a breakout from those guys? Algier gets the Niners, the best run defense in football, and <laughs> Brian Robinson gets the Bears. Yeah, um, from a usage standpoint, I was pretty encouraged by what we saw from Algier this week. Um, but like you said, the matchup is not good. And um, if I remember right, he's got a few pretty tough matchups coming up. Um, San but his route involvement, Cincinnati, Carolina. Yeah. It's uh, Cincinnati's not, not bad without DJ Reader. Carolina, they're kind of neutral. Yeah. His route involvement rate was 56% this week. Um, that's a lot higher than I would have expected. That was higher than Lyndon Fournette, Travis Etienne this week. Um, I think it was 11th among running backs. So if and they don't pass a ton, but like he's out there um, and not coming off the field, it's not like he's only an early down guy, which I thought he kind of might be pigeonholed into that kind of a role. Um, and then his rushing efficiency metrics I'm digging up right now. Do you guys have anything on Brian Robinson from this week? Yeah, I, Rob- think, I, I think it's a problem. Yeah. I don't think either of these guys can really break out in their current roles. I mean, Robinson is exactly the kind of running back we typically avoid, right? He's exciting yep. in the story. But he's not going to catch. Okay, so what? They've played five games. They've got 12 left. Do you think he even gets 20 catches this year if he plays every game? No. Mm-mm. Yeah, I don't think so. So uh, it's gonna. It's not like Gibson's going to get zero carries. I don't. If he breaks out, I don't think it's going to be this week. But what do you think, Dan? I don't think Brian Robinson has any path to fantasy success. Great story, like you said. Um, he was never really a runner. I was high on coming into this draft class anyway. He was more of a runner that was like kind of takes what's given to him and is actually pretty good at processing in between the tackles, which is great for Washington. That's what they wanted, but it doesn't really help, like you said, for fantasy purposes, unless he is for sure the true go- every goal, every goal to go situation running back, which I don't even think he's definitely bound to be in an offense that, in my opinion, isn't going to be scoring that much, especially as we get to the colder months. Uh, so, yeah, that's an avoid for me. I don't see much breakout upside. I do really like we, we, we brushed over it quickly, but I do really like the chance of Kenneth Walker breaking out this week in this matchup. I, I'm a little more optimistic on Robinson. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think there's still a place for guys who don't catch passes. It's just he can't be. I don't think he can be great. It, Rashad Penny is a guy who, you know, would be worth starting yeah. without catching passes. Damian Harris. You just you, you need touchdowns. So yeah. keep that in mind. But I it's probably gonna take some time. <laughs> the guy's coming back from something pretty serious here and yeah. wasn't able to practice at all. Didn't have a preseason really. Well, he had a little bit of a preseason, but you know, uh it's I think it's a lot to ask for him to break out this week. I had to drop um, him in a league, by the way. I didn't have to drop him in two. It just you know, again, it was it was easy to stash him in an IR spot. Now yeah. you got to really question his value. Um, sorry to cut you off there. No, I was just going to say Algier has been by far the worst running back of Atlanta's backfield in terms of efficiency metrics. Their running backs actually have a really high success rate, 56%. Algiers is 36%. Wow. Uh, he has by far the lowest rushing EPA per snap, not avoiding tackles. What does that mean, uh, success rate? Uh, the percentage of their rushes that were like deemed a success, um, like based on EPA, like uh, based on the expectation um, of the play, and yeah. so like yeah, it's not fifty six percent is extremely high. Um, I'm really surprised by that. I, Atlanta has such weird metrics. They also everyone on the team has been really 
has a really high explosive rush rate, except for him as well. All the other running backs. And that Todd, jives with his profile coming out of yeah. college. He was not an explosive back. Todd Bowles said that they have maybe the best run schemes in football. Yes, so. that I can get behind. They do really block it up well, and they and they coach it well, which is why they have you know one of the best run blocking offensive lines in the NFL right now, despite not really having too much talent on that offensive line. Yeah, another one that I like to look at when just when comparing like among a backfield mates um, is yards before contact because you assume yes. similar blocking, um, and so it's then it's kind of up to the running back and are they finding the holes? And he's by far the lowest there. The team averages two point eight yards. He's at one point eight. Yeah, he's all jeer. Boo, right? Yeah, so thank you guys. They didn't laugh yesterday when I made that joke. All jeer. Who didn't laugh? Dave and Heath. Uh, they're a tough crowd. They're a tougher crowd. <laughs> That's basically. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anything else, fellas, or should we go? Because I got I got stuff to do here. I got to pay some bills. Yeah, I'm good to go. Adam's Adam's got to refix that air conditioning. Let him get to it. You know what Broken they did? Hand. Let me tell you. Oh, no. Nah, I can't. I shouldn't even say it on the air. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> they scuffed up my they, they scuffed up my walls, so now I gotta take care of oh, that. Repaint them. Yeah, and I, I gotta. I I think it might be more than that. They really messed up the walls, taking the condenser upstairs. I very. I don't want to say this as if I am the type of person who is the opposite, but Adam, you definitely strike me as someone who is not going to be touching up those walls yourself. You will pay someone to do it, correct? Of course. Are you kidding? <laughs> well, you shouldn't. You shouldn't touch. The yes, thing is, like, course. you really want a professional to do that. Uh, some people can do it. I feel like I, we're not two of them. But no, oh goodness, no! I can't do anything. I mean, I, my wife does all of that handy stuff. Like everything. Oh, wow. The only thing that I do that she won't is kill all the roaches. And with that, <laughs> you have so many roaches in your house. <laughs> I've given them names. With that, we're oh out of here. God. Uh, for uh, for Dan and Jacob and Thomas, I'm Adam. Thanks for watching and listening, everybody. We will talk to you tomorrow with the waiver wire. I may not be on the show, but if not, it'll be Jamie and Dave. So if you don't like me, tomorrow's the show for you. See you then. Bye. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.